Hey, welcome back to the show. I could I could swear that we basically had this guest on yesterday, but uh, there's lots to talk about. Joining me now is Ravi Kalambisi's Minister of Housing. Today, the minister uh, announced uh, new legislation in regards to building homes near transit hubs. Minister, welcome. Yes, thanks so much for having me again. <laughs> do you want to? Do you want to? Do you want to co-host this week? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know if I can do this job as good as you can. Well, you want me back? I'm back, man. Yeah, there you go. Well, lots to talk about. Okay, so first and foremost, uh, talk to me a little bit about the the, the basics of this uh, in regards to what uh, potentially one could build in and around Sky SkyTrain stations uh, and bus stops. Yeah, thanks, Jazz. And you know, this announcement today, I think, is uh, obviously uh, an important step to get more affordable housing units built. And it ties in with all the other pieces that we've brought in over the last two weeks. Uh, essentially, what this allows us to do is to ensure that when we spend or invest billions of dollars uh, into transit opportunities, that we're able to build housing close to that important infrastructure. And so uh, that means, uh, you know, if you're at a SkyTrain station, it means that within 800 meters, you'll be allowed to build up to eight stories. And as you get closer, within 200 meters, uh, it allows you to build up to 20 stories. And so what we're doing with this legislation is we're setting what the levels are. So local governments won't be able to deny a project if it comes in within that density or that height. But local governments still have the ability to work with the, the proponent to say, well, we want this level of affordability or we, you know, we'd like this many three bedrooms or two bedroom units uh, being built. So it gives local governments some flexibility, but it creates a whole host of certainty for anyone that's looking to uh, move a housing project forward. So uh, no municipality with this legislation, once it's passed, uh, will be able to slow walk it to the point where developers walk away. These are the new rules. They can't get around that. These are the new rules. And, uh, and you know, the, the reason why Metro Vancouver mayors, for example, put out a press release is because I think they also appreciate, A, we collaborated with them, we consulted them on it, but also the fact that it's standard across regions. So no more, why is this community doing this? Why are we doing it? And then they're not over there. Now we're saying to everyone, if you want that investment of that infrastructure, the transit infrastructure, then we want to see the housing come with it. And by the way, when we build that infrastructure, now we're able to buy land for healthcare-related uh, facilities, um, childcare. Uh, even we're considering schools uh, near some of the transit stops. So we can build the amenities around uh, the transit, and that's the type of communities I think everybody wants us to build. Mm -hmm. um, when you look at the Metro Vancouver, I see Metro Town, which would fit into, I think, what, what, what you would like to see. You see uh, Brentwood, uh, you see Lougheed uh, progressing uh, nicely. Uh, Ted Field, prior to our conversation here, he and I were speaking, and uh, he had mentioned, that, you know, the, the commercial drive area there uh, in Broadway, you still, the, the old Safeway, they're still fighting over whether or not they want greater density there. There are many uh, SkyTrain stops in Vancouver where you still have single-family homes in and around, in and around those areas. Um, why do you think in your mind that Brentwood and sorry, the, the Burnaby area has been able to build all of this, but yet in Vancouver, you still have transit stops with single family homes. You would think that this would have been a priority 20 years ago. What do you think it's hindered, hindered or stopped this moving forward in the past? Well, well there's various reasons, Josh, why we don't see the level of housing we need uh, around transit. Uh, but fundamentally, one of the things we're grappling with is saying, that can't be anymore, right? Uh, and with all the legislation that we're bringing together, again, all of it's connected together. The reason why we're doing this is because 
every single day, the premier, me, my colleagues, we hear from people saying, I can't find housing. Uh, we have people working full-time jobs and they are living in RVs because they can't find a place to live. So fundamentally, the reason why all of these pieces are coming forward is that the way we've been doing things is not working. We're not getting enough housing built. We're not getting the housing that people desperately need. And we need to rethink how we do it. And what we've done with the approach we've taken here is we started on the other end and said, what would the ideal look like? Mm-hmm. And once people identified what the ideal looks like, we're saying, okay, let's start building that up. And I think, uh, again, this will allow us to have that housing and community. And now with future infrastructure, because we're not done investing in transit, we have to invest in more transit opportunities for people. When we invest, there's a level of certainty that comes with that investment that, yes, we are going to get housing with it as well. Uh, There is in this legislation, I think the term being used is removed restrictive parking uh, minimums. We're still going to need cars moving forward as much as we think we're all going to be taking transit. Uh, why did you want to remove the the parking minimums? Yeah, we're going to need parking. And so this is not saying that we won't get parking in the future. But what we're saying is that if you have a restrictive policy that says you need a certain amount of parking, it might not meet, need, uh, uh, it might not meet the need of that specific project. So essentially what we're saying here is Every single project will be assessed site by site. And I'll give you two examples. One, recently in Burnaby, where there was, I believe, a 20-story building being proposed, but the bylaw that was in place in Burnaby said that they needed to build 14 floors of parking below ground. Uh, and, uh, and the mayor said to staff, what, what kind of, what, why are we doing this? Like, it does not make any sense. Because the cost for a parking stall is fifty dollars to $100,000. So that's just one example. But I also have not-for-profits come to me and say, listen, we're building something by SkyTrain. Um, It's for low-income seniors. They're telling us we have to build all this parking. Who's going to use it? By eliminating that requirement, they can now actually build the right amount of parking that they need, but put the rest of that money to creating more affordable units for people in our community. So we're not saying parking is going to be gone. We're saying let's build the right amount of parking for whoever that project is trying to serve. And local governments still have the ability to put requirements in for commercial. So if there's a commercial space below, they'll be able to do that for accessibility, all those pieces. So I I think it's just planning in a better way so that we're building the right amount of parking as opposed to just a random number that somebody decides. If a city doesn't like a particular tower, even though it fits within the rules, could they stop or stall a project like that based on saying, hey, we want more parking? And the developer says, well, other communities don't require that much parking because they want more supply built. Would they not stifle or stop some of these projects and hinder these projects with these kind of, with, with, let's say, demanding more parking? Well, well, Jazz, with all the initiatives we have, what we're trying to do is depoliticize decision-making when it comes to housing. Too often, we hear people coming forward and saying, oh, that mayor doesn't like me or that council doesn't like me or, uh, you know, they don't want this type of housing. And what we're saying with the process is let's engage with our communities. Let's plan early and decide what the community plan looks like. But when you have a plan and it's already been approved by the community, then let's start working the plan. So then it doesn't matter if you uh, if the person on the other side doesn't like you or whatever. It's being judged on the merits of its project. That alone will allow us to get housing built much quicker in our communities. It'll create a level of certainty for those that are actually trying to invest in affordable housing. And also it'll help our not-for-profits who are saying, hey, we need flexibility because 
interest rates have gone up, global inflation, all the projects are not as viable as they once used to be. And now this allows them to be viable. So my hope is that we get housing done, we depoliticize the process Mm -hmm. so that people have more certainty as we go forward. Minister Cannell, thank you so much for your time. Yeah, thank you for having me, Josh. Stay safe.